The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Yesterday, as Bert Harper and I were wrapping up 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and there's this wonderfully inspiring verse, verse 10. It says, Waiting for his Son from heaven, Jesus, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivered us from the wrath to come. We're going to continue into 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 today. Alex McFarlane here with Jim Stanley. But listen to this, folks. Think about the resurrection of Jesus and that empty tomb that proves Jesus is the Son of God. If you've put your faith in Christ, you can know with assurance that you are saved. And the church, you're part of the family of God called the church, and you're part of this wonderful entity that God initiated, the church of believers, born-again Christians, and the church will exist till Christ returns. I was reading an article, uh, Jim, I found this very interesting. I was reading an article on a business site about some of the oldest companies in the world. Now think about this. Uh, There are 33,000 companies in the world that are 100 years old. There are 3,100 companies that are 200 years old. That's pretty long. There are roughly 140 companies in the world that are 500 years old. And I think about um, like Twining's Tea out of England, almost 500 years old. But there are only 19 companies in the world, 19, less than 20 companies in the world that are over 500 years old. And one is a very famous soy sauce company out of China. But there is one industry, one entity, one thing in the world, a very wonderful organization that isn't 200 or 500 years old, it's 2,000 years old. And friend, you are a part of it. If you're a believer, it's the Church of Jesus Christ. It's been around for two millennia, and in fact will be here forever till Christ returns. And 1 Thessalonians 1, with that glorious promise about the resurrection, that reminds us that we are a part of something that is totally permanent, the church of the risen Lord Jesus. That's exciting, isn't it, Jim? It sure is. And, you know, to have that confidence in Christ and believe that he is the Alpha and Omega, you know, that he is the beginning and the end. And in that, in that as we encapsulate his greatness, to know that he came to, so that we might be with him for eternity. Amen. Amen. Well, let me read a little bit, and if you are at a place where you can get a Bible, turn to the New Testament, and we are in First Thessalonians. Bert and I are going to do First and Second Thessalonians, and Jim Stanley, whenever he can join us. Uh, and uh, later on in the show, we're going to get to your phone calls and Bible questions. But chapter 2 begins, it says, For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. Uh, so let's talk about these two verses. Um, Paul our entrance into you. In other words, uh, our coming to you, our ministering to you, our interaction with you, all of this, let's just call it the work of the ministry. It's not in vain. It, it was not for naught, but it does bear fruit. And Jim, we quote on this show a lot, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight that says, our labor in the Lord is not in vain. Um, ministry is not always easy, but it is always worthwhile, isn't it? It is. And, you know, when, when you look there, we look in Acts, we see in Acts where it talks about Paul having come to Thessalonica before. And right. that where he said, even after we, there in verse 2, we had suffered before and were spitefully treated, you know, they and spitefully treated at Philippi. Um, it's one of those things that Paul never backed up from preaching the gospel the way that he believes Christ called him to preach, and that was with great boldness. Mm-hmm. Well, always, yes. And, uh, you know, we could talk the, the stories of persecution of Christians and obstacles put in front of the gospel are uh, almost endless, but it's not in vain. Uh, verse 2, King James says, uh, We had suffered, shamefully entreated, 
but we were bold in our God. Uh, by the way, a little uh, reference to the deity of Jesus, that Jesus really is God incarnate. It says, we speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. Um, in verse 2 here, I see three things. Okay, suffered, shamefully, entreated. The word contention there is really the word for conflict, that, uh, you know, the gospel goes forth with conflict, but there's a, there's a reference there to the deity of Christ, because what's the gospel? The good news of Jesus. And who is Jesus? God incarnate. Amen. Uh, you know, it, it, that's exactly the truth there. It, it's when, you, when we walk through the letters of Paul, we see a lot of the same language from letter to letter. But it's one of those things that each letter is tailored to the people to whom it's being sent and some needs that they may have that are more specific than others. And then when you go on to verse 3 there, uh, Paul says that our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanliness, nor was it in deceit. And then he goes on in verse 4, but as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. Amen. Amen. Well, um, what, what's really amazing is this. All right. Uh, it, not in deceit and cleanness, uh, but, we, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tries our hearts. It, I love in verse 4, it says, entrusted with the gospel, put in trust. And, you know, here we are in our hour, Jim. The gospel has been entrusted to us. The, the Bible talks about this treasure in earthen vessels. We're, we're made of the dust of the ground. We are those earthen vessels. But the Spirit of God dwells in us. The truth of God is in us, and we've been entrusted with it, and we're to spread the gospel. And, uh, you know, what's interesting is uh, you mentioned Acts 17 and, and Paul going to the Thessalonians. There was a famous road that was built really about 250 years before Christ. The Romans built this this uh, road, and see, Thessalonica was on something called the Ignatian Way. Now, this guy, Ignatius, E-G-N-A-T-I-U-S, he was um, kind of a governor or proconsul of Macedonia, and he was a Roman employee, and he ordered its construction. And Jim, the reason I was thinking about this, uh, it was very strategic for the gospel and the church to be strong at Thessalonica, because, okay, Galatians 4.4 4 says, In the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman. Uh, Jim, have you ever pondered why Jesus was born at the time that he was? You know, why not in the 20th century with airplanes and automobiles? Well, uh, the city of Thessalonica, on this famous highway, which was a trade route, and there was a thing called the Pax Romana, the Peace of Rome, there was... Uh, generally a common language, or a few languages, Greek and Latin, that the whole wide civilized world used, um, a lot of writers have noted that the coming of Jesus and the birth of the church there in the early part of the first century, it was an ideal time given the world situation. Even, even though, look, there were Jewish, Greek, and Roman persecutions, but all in all, because of the power of Rome and the mobility that people like Paul would have enjoyed. And here's a highway, the Ignatian Way. Uh, it was an ideal time to bring to the world a new belief system and spread that message, the gospel, to the whole wide world. Have you ever pondered on that, Jim, why Jesus came when he did? Well, you know, I, I, I think that when we, when we do look at that, I have to follow Mary's example, because even when the archangel came and revealed these things to her. She said she kept them and pondered them in her heart. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that was a great example to us because how, how do we understand? Think about it. If God had waited until 2021 to send Christ, how would that look today? You know, how would, how would he be received today? And so I, I think that 
We just have to trust that, just like it said, it was at the appointed time. And let me tell you, there's a lot of argument about when Christ is going to return. But you know when that's going to be? That's going to be at that appointed time. Mm. Amen. Amen. And by the way, just another thought about this. Um, I, I really think it's fascinating. In evangelism, we often use this phrase, the Romans road, mm -hmm. because from the book of Romans, you can pull out four or five verses that will lead somebody to Christ, the Roman roadway to heaven. But that's a reference to the, the highways that the Romans built. And the Romans were famous for building things. They built these arches without concrete, and there would be a keystone. And so when it talks about Jesus being the chief cornerstone uh, and uh, the head, you know, those familiar with Roman engineering would have understood that. But the, the road that went through Turkey and went through Macedonia and went through Thessalonica and all through Asia Minor, uh, this via Ignatia, a little bit of it still exists today. In fact, there's some paved portions of it today, and it truly is the Roman road. And in Turkey, part of it still exists. But at any rate, the early Christians, in spite of persecution, they zealously took the message of the gospel throughout the world, and it spread and it spread. And here you and I are today to spread the gospel. And uh, he goes on, uh, in verse 3, he had said, not with deceit or uncleanness, no guile. Okay, we've been entrusted with the gospel. Verse 5, he says, we didn't use flattering words, as you know. Uh, it, we didn't come to you with a cloak of covetousness. God is witness. So in verse 5, Jim, Paul is saying, look, um, before God, I assure you, God is my witness. Th this was not to play you. We had no covetousness. We weren't after your money. We just came with truth to give you the message of salvation. Uh, nor of men did we seek glory, neither of you nor of others, when we might have been burdensome as apostles of Christ. In other words, he said, we didn't want to be any problem to you. We were just trying to nurse you toward Jesus. I love verse 7. Just uh, help them get saved and help them grow up. And that's uh, the, the pure ministry today is the, of the same motive, isn't it? It is. You know, the, the um, Great Commission was that we would make disciples and that we would continue to make disciples. Well, we just don't make them and leave them. Part of discipleship is helping them to grow in Christ as well. Yes, we want converts, but more than that, we want folks to follow after the example of Christ. And part of that comes from good nurturing and good building blocks, you know, uh, to build study on, to build theology on. And so this is one of the things, you know, as you read the uh, First Thessalonians here, you see how Paul reinforces what he said earlier. You know, in verse 4, he said, Even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our heart, or testeth our hearts. And then here again, he's saying, you know, uh, there in verse 6, not of men, not, not, nor of men, so we glory, neither of you, nor of others. Because when he says there, we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. You know, he's saying that we could have, as apostles of Christ, could have come in and asked you guys to help us out, to help take care of us, but that's not what we did. And we know Paul, of course, uh, was uh, a bivocational preacher, if you will. Stick around. More Exploring the Word continues here on American Family Radio. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Victoria Newland, Under Secretary of State for Political Affairs. She manages regional and bilateral policy issues and oversees foreign bureaus and international organizations. Proverbs 16.9 reminds us that in our journeys throughout the world, God guides us. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Right now, with this in mind, Let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Victoria Newland in her role at the State Department. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. 
a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says most people are okay with a God who answers prayers and gives encouragement, but one who makes demands? Well, not so much. We'll find out why you can't have one without the other as we spend two minutes with Tony. Let me explain something about God's kingdom. It's not a democracy. He's not asking you for your vote. He is not seeking your permission. He is a dictator. He wants to declare what he wants done. Have you as a parent ever declared what you wanted and then your kids wanted to debate it? You said, this is what I want you to do. And they give you back their unrequested opinion in your house that they're not paying for. To say that Jesus is king is to declare that he is the ruler of his kingdom and that he has the last say-so on all subject matters of all subjects who are inside of his kingdom. So when we say Jesus' name is the king, you are declaring that Jesus Christ has final say-so over my decisions. If you're ready to recognize Jesus' kingship by committing your life to him, visit TonyEvans.org, click on the top menu, and follow the Jesus link. He'll explain what it means to be a real Christian and describe the amazing difference it'll make in your life today and for eternity. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I tell you, I'm glad my yesterdays are gone. Good afternoon and welcome back. I'm Jim Stanley in for Brother Bert Harper today. As far as I know right now, Brother Bert should be back with us tomorrow. And of course, alongside Dr. Alex McFarland. By the way, folks, if you'd like information on where Alex is going to be for our R for Truth for the a New Generation, or if you'd like to bring Alex to your community, Alex is very conveniently got you one-stop shopping, and that's at (laughs) alexmcfarland.com, alexmcfarland.com, and I'd encourage you to take uh, take advantage, if you will, of some of the resources he has there. Oh, Jim, you're so kind. You're so kind. Hey, you know, on that note, I will mention that August 27 through 29, so in just a couple of weeks, I'm going to be at Rockfish Church in Fayetteville, and we've got a lot of wonderful listeners in the Fayetteville, Fort Bragg area. We just love everybody down that way. And Pastor Tony McVickers at Rockfish, they, they really are, Jim, one of America's great churches. And they minister to everybody, but our faithful men and women at Fort Bragg that are keeping our nation safe, they are just a wonderful part of the Rockfish Church community. And I'm looking forward to being there Friday night, all day Saturday, Sunday the 29th, and we're going to be talking about biblical worldview and standing strong for the faith. But, hey, Jim, before the break, you were talking about uh, discipling a new believer, and Paul says to the Christians at Thessalonica, we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherishes her children. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not only the gospel of God, but also our own souls, because you were dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail. For laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto you, we preach to you the gospel of God. I was thinking about something. There's evangelism and there's discipleship. Mm -hmm. And evangelism is helping people understand the gospel, accept Christ, be born again, be saved. But then discipleship, which really goes on for everybody's Christian life, I was thinking about medical terms, because Paul says a nurse. Okay, you know, there's, there's a pediatrician, and there's an obstetrician. 
Okay, an obstetrician delivers a baby. A pediatrician helps raise the baby up to maturity. And in a way, evangelism is like obstetrics, delivering the baby. But discipleship is like pediatrics, helping raise the baby, to use a medical analogies. A little bit like that, isn't it? It is. That's a great example because it shows us, you know, uh, some of the terms that Paul uses uh, in other places, you know, that uh, to give us milk instead of meat, because at one point we're not able to digest that. And so that goes right along with your example of the baby and then growing into the child and being treated by the pediatrician. And so uh, those are great examples. Yeah, I mean, if a baby was born, let's say a child is three weeks old, a a newborn infant, uh, you wouldn't say, well, you know, uh, the food's in the refrigerator. Uh, Whenever you get hungry, go feed yourself, and uh, here's a steak. No, Uh, a child is born, a child is alive, but a child has to be cared for, nurtured, lovingly given milk. They mature, they grow, and they eventually are able to eat solid food. And, and that's very much like people spiritually. That's why um, a lot of times on this show, Jim, when Bert and I have had somebody come to Christ, maybe even on live radio, and people have, mm-hmm. um, we'll, we'll tell people, maybe read the Gospel of John or the Gospel of Mark to get started in the Word of God. Uh, you know, um, don't just dive into Ezekiel or Revelation, although, of course, you could, uh, but... Um, Newborn babes, uh, they need to be helped along. That's why we often encourage churches to have a, a, a new members class, which very often is, is a bit of a new believers class, to help people uh, get their feet solidly planted on scriptural truth and mature in the Lord. And Paul says in verse 9, he said, Look, we were just laboring night and day in travail. That's a reference to delivery of a birth. He says, we did not want to be chargeable unto any of you. In other words, we, did, we didn't come here to be a burden to you or anything like that. We just had this motive to spread the gospel. Your witnesses, and God also, how I love how the King James renders verse 10, holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves. Okay, uh, just, that's fairness, truthfulness, forthrightness, un, unblameable, but Holy, we know what holy is, set apart, godly, but he turns this into an adjective, holily. Do you, do you have a KJV in front of you there, Jim? Yes, sir, I do. Does yours say holily? It does. H-O-L-I-L-Y. Um, I, I know. Um, you can talk about, you know, godly, sanctified, righteous, but he, he uses the word holy there, you know, as a descriptor and that's almost hard to pronounce. But verse 11, you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his children, charge them and encourage them what? That you would walk worthy of God, who has called you unto his kingdom and glory. 1 Thessalonians 2.12, that could be a life motto for all of us, couldn't it? It sure could. And, you know, I'm always looking there from time to time into the amplified version and the way that it renders some of that. But I agree with you. I think the King James just renders that whole segment right there uh, in just such a great way. Well, um, may all of us live holily. Right. New word there. Um, Do you remember at the very first, folks, we said yesterday in verse 2 of chapter 1, we give thanks to God always for you all making mention of you in our prayers. Well, verse 13 of chapter 2 sort of echoes that, giving thanks to God for you in our prayers. For this cause also, thank we God without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually works also in you that believed. Uh, He is rejoicing. Why? Because he has a Trouble-free life? No, because he didn't. He had troubles. He had struggles. But he said, look, he was rejoicing, praising God without ceasing, because they heard it. They didn't dismiss it as merely the word of man, but they received it as truth, the word of God, 
And that word becomes effective in those that believe. Now, Jim, let me flip this over. Um, if, if the word of God is effective in the life of those who believe, could we assume it's not effective in the life of those who reject it? Well, that, I think that points out the obvious, because why would one who doesn't believe in God or his word expect the word to be applicable to their lives, with the exception, you know, perhaps of John 3.16? But even when they reject that, that leaves them without hope. And so I, I think that, you know, when we say the scripture is for everybody, it is, but it only becomes life in your life once you've received Christ as Savior, because along with that comes the Holy Spirit, which quickens us, which makes us alive in Christ. Would you agree with that? Absolutely, absolutely. Jim, there's a quote, and I'm, I'm, the, I'm very guilty of repetition, but when some things are just really solid, they're worth repeating. But G.K. Chesterton, uh, he was a Christian leader 100 years ago, very influential in the life of C.S. Lewis. But G.K. Chesterton said this, and I think this is very brilliant. He said, it's not that Christianity has been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and left untried. Mm. Christianity is found difficult and left untried. And he says, look, the Word of God, verse 13, is effectual in those who believe. Jim, I've had people say to me, well, you know, I used to be in church, but it really didn't do anything for me, so I just I kind of wandered off. Well, you know, salvation is not, quote, getting in church, although if you're a believer, you ought to be in church. Uh, salvation is putting your faith in Jesus. Um, and let me just explain, and folks, if you're listening and, and you're not sure that you would go to heaven when you die. We often ask this question. We say, if you if you died and stood before the Lord, and the Lord said, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? Jim, the, the young lady that came forward Sunday morning, I was on the road preaching, and uh, a young lady came forward, and I, I asked that question. And she said, well, um, I guess I would say because I've tried to be a good person. And a lot of times people will answer that way. But to be saved you need to believe in Jesus. But mm-hmm. but what that really means is who he was and what he did. Who is he? The Son of God. And what did he do? He laid down his life for you, for Jim Stanley, for Devin Patrick, for Alex and Bert. But he laid down his life for you. And whoever you are, listen, whatever you've done, uh, we're all sinners. But you can right this minute become a forgiven sinner, mm. a saved sinner. If you would say, Lord, I do believe you're the Son of God, and I, I believe that when you died on the cross, you did that for me, and I'm, I'm asking you to save me, and I, I put my faith completely in you, Jesus. See, that's how you get saved, and when you stand before God, uh, God doesn't see sin or guilt or lostness. God sees that your sins were washed away by the blood of Jesus, and when the Father looks at all believers... He sees the righteousness of his own son. Isn't that something? Not our guilt. Um, Jim, did you ever hear that song? I love it. It's a Charles Wesley song called Over a Thousand Tongues to Sing. And it talks about how Jesus broke the power of canceled sin and set my soul free. Um, If you're a believer, you can know that your soul has been set free. Sure can. And, And folks, I want you to understand it's not just the words of that prayer that Alex offered. That is, you know, we, we talk about that being an example prayer, if you will, but it actually becomes actionable because you mm. have put that into motion. You've not just said the words, but you've made the action of repenting from your sin, of giving your life to Christ, of turning away from things that you might have been doing before, and then seeking to live holy even as Christ is holy. And so, again, it's, it's not even the words of our own mouth that save us, but it's the Word of God that saves us because we believe in the Son and what He did and who He is and what He is actually doing even now. And so once you've made that repentance, once you've prayed, quote-unquote, the sinner's prayer, then when you have made that actionable, then it can be affirmed in, your, in each believer's life. 
Amen. Amen. Verse 14, For you, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For you also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. A couple of things here. The churches in Judea, they're really in Christ Jesus. There doesn't matter. You know where your church is? In Jesus. A mm-hmm. uh, little wordplay there. But here's the deal. Then as now, when you become a follower of Jesus, there's a target on your back. Um, and they've been persecuted. Paul acknowledges that. You know, Jim, I was reading Sunday in the news, our, our dear friend Tony Perkins with Family Research Council, FRC. Well, there's, there's a group of, I'm not even going to give their name, a very erroneous, subversive group that calls FRC a hate group. And uh, about eight or nine years ago, um, uh, a deranged person went into FRC in Washington shooting a gun because he had read online that FRC was a hate group. Well, they're not. They're a wonderful Christian organization, and we know Tony Perkins, and we know a lot of the the principal leaders there at mm-hmm. FRC. But here's the thing. When you come out bold for Jesus and you stand bold for the gospel, you're going to have a target on your back. And that, that was true 2,000 years ago, and regrettably, it's even true today, isn't it? It is, and, you know, um, that was a, a really tough time then because it made us as Christians understand, you know, just how vulnerable we could be because we want to be inviting to people. We want to be approachable, you know, from by, from people who have questions. But at the same time, we also have to be careful of some of those who may not be there, you know, for the right reasons. You think of some of the conferences that we've been to over the years and how open those have been, but um, and how, you know, by and large, those are just open events. And if you've registered, you can pick up your ID and, you know, your tag and you can go in or you can get a ticket for the event. But I remember at NRB a couple of years ago, uh, well, I guess several years ago now, because uh, Vice President Pence was there. And you know that, did you notice the difference that day, Alex, when he was there? Because then everybody had to go through the metal detectors. Everybody had to be checked out. Well, you know, because of that, security has become a little more heightened even here at AFA. Um, If you're going to come visit, we ask that you call and make an appointment so Mm -hmm. so that we're expecting. But it, yeah, I can remember a few years ago, man, if you came and you wanted to visit us, uh, we'd open the door and say, hey, come on. In fact, the door most likely wasn't even locked. And yeah. uh, folks would come in and we'd visit with them. And so that's that's where we hit. When you set a target on our backs, sometimes it is a literal target. Sometimes it is a figurative target. But never think that you can go through unscathed because Satan is always trying to trip you up as a believer so that you might lose your uh, witness to those around you. You know, uh, we're going to get back to Second Thessalonians 2, but Jim, just to show you how the world has changed, in uh, early 2001, this was six, seven months before 9-11, I led a team to Africa, first of a number of trips to Africa, but we had about 45 people went to Africa, and we were on a major airline. We all met in Atlanta. We began to fly out. And the captain over the PA, he acknowledged our group from Greensboro, from the Piedmont Baptist Association. And the door of the cockpit was open, and he invited us to come up and get in the cockpit while the plane was in the air. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't do that today, would you? No, sir. Stick around. Your phone calls next on Exploring the Word. When you hear this... This is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. Sandy Rios. The founders, when they wrote the Constitution, for instance, they based their three branches of government on the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They based so much of our law on Christian principles like do not kill, do not steal, 
It mirrored Judeo-Christian principles as found in the Ten Commandments and other things in Scripture. Sandy Rios in the Morning, weekdays at 7 Central on American Family Radio. Your faith in Christ informs your opinions about everything. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Police chiefs and sheriffs for police departments in America's largest cities released a study titled Report on the 2020 Protests and Civil Unrest through the Major Cities Chiefs Association Intelligence Commanders Group. The study revealed that 90% of these departments discovered protests in their jurisdictions were agitated by people who traveled there from out of state. They reported all across the country, protesters seemed to coordinate their movements and actions as if the violence and tactics were pre-planned. The chiefs also reported that many protesters were paid to agitate. The study was released in October 2020. Why isn't this national news? Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. Hebrews 2 verse 10 says, For it was fitting that he should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. When working a jigsaw puzzle with Michelle, sometimes I try to make a piece that looks right to me fit into an empty space. But if I force that piece into the wrong place, the puzzle can't be completed. There's only one piece in that entire puzzle made to fit that space and complete the picture. The Bible says that it was fitting for God to send His Son Jesus to suffer and die in our place. Jesus' death on the cross was the final piece in completing God's perfect plan of salvation. Don't try to force salvation another way. No other piece will fit God's plan. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1.13 American Family Radio There's nothing to fear now For I am safe with you So when I fight I'll fight on my knees With my head lifted high Oh God, the battle belongs to you Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I'm Jim Stanley along with Dr. Alex McFarland. And your calls will be welcomed at 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840 is the number to call. And, you know, Alex, we have a, a challenge for the month of August, and it's called By Design. And mm-hmm. so uh, it's By Design Monthly Challenges are ways for married couples and their families to engage and grow closer together as a couple and walk in walk, pardon me, as a couple and in their walk with Christ. And so uh, the first challenge for August is the covenant challenge. And you can go to afa.net forward slash by design. That's afa.net by design. And there you can, uh, there'll be a document for you to read and sign is a symbol of reaffirming their commitment to fight and uphold God's covenant, covenantal design for marriage. So again, that's afa.net forward slash by design. A special challenge there uh, that's for, wonderful. for the month of August. And so it's really neat. I think it's something that married couples can use for sure, especially in these troubled times. You know, we think of COVID last year and so many people uh, being quarantined together and how the divorce rate has gone up. Some people blaming mm. that for that instead of a time of it being where couples got closer it actually became a time when, you know, um, get rid of them, took on a, you know, go to work, go do something, took on a whole new meaning, didn't it? 
Well, it did. And, and you know what? Life is so short. And uh, there are people that live under the same roof, but they're essentially strangers. And we often say this, and folks, listen to this, and I believe it to the core of my soul. The second greatest gift God ever gave the human race, right behind salvation, is the gift of marriage and family. And that, that's why this is the, the American Family Association. Because, Jim, you know, we talk about revival and evangelism, and we need it all. We pray for the Holy Spirit to move in our land. But I'll tell you, if we had a nation of, of godly homes and Christian marriages, uh, that would change America, wouldn't it? It sure would. Uh, it sure yeah. would. Folks, the number to call is 888 by the way, stick a pen, well, a pen, a marker, a bookmark, you know what I mean. Yeah. Don't, don't necessarily literally take and poke a pen into your Bible, but go <laughs> ahead and make a note. We finished up at verse 14 today, right? and I'm sure that they will, when Alex and Bert get together tomorrow afternoon, they'll go back and pick up on that because it kind of continues, and that thought flows on into verse 15 and beyond. So yes. there you go. All right, folks, let's go to the phones. Alex, you ready to go to the phones? 888-589-8840. Call us. All right, here we go. Hoyt, pardon me, Hoyt, calling from Georgia. Boy, I'm having trouble this afternoon. Sorry about that. Hello. I was wondering, can you all go over First Timothy chapter 1, verse 17 through 20, especially at the end of 20? Okay. Okay. Um, uh, any particular thing, anything specific I, that I pulled that up, Alex, and so yeah. it's talking about there in eighteen. It says, "Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to their faith." Among mm -hmm. them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, uh, whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. And yeah. uh, wait, is that in regard to eternal security, or what is the connect? What's the question there? Well, I just wonder what he meant by delivering them over to Satan that they may learn not how to blaspheme. Okay, Alex. Mm -hmm. Uh, and by the way, and thank you for this good call, and I can tell you are reading the Bible very thoroughly. Uh, okay, Hymenaeus and Alexander uh, are referenced later. Um, this guy Hymenaeus was associated with Philetus, who Second Timothy 2.17 was a false teacher. And it doesn't expound too much more beyond that, but their faith was, quote, shipwrecked. Uh, they might have professed faith in Christ, but they, they got way off course. So the First Timothy 1.19, uh, being handed over, quote, to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme, I think that um, maybe we can talk about uh, the, you know, persecution. First Corinthians 5.5 5 says, um, delivered a man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Uh, Jim, I've known a lot of people that uh, they got away from God and they really hit bottom. Now, it might have been financially, might have been health-wise, might have lost their marriage and family. In fact, um, and I know you know this too, in ministry, it's heartbreaking when you counsel with somebody who sheds tears of, of pain because sin came between them. See, here's the thing. Sin will come not only between you and God. Sin will come between you and other people. And so, um, fortunately, though, some people, they come under conviction and they repent of their disobedience and unbelief. And so um, I think God might allow, and this is out of love. Let me say this. God loves you so much that he may allow you to get in a really tight spot to hopefully get your attention so that you might repent and turn to Christ again. It, would you say that that's in the ballpark, Jim? Absolutely. I think you're you're there 100%. Uh, Hoyt, again, thank you for that great call. I'm going to talk to Megan now. Megan, good afternoon, and welcome to Exploring the Word. Hello? 
Hi, Megan. You're on the air. Hi. Um, I have a quick question, and if you don't mind me sharing a little bit of my testimony. Um, ironically, when I got into the car just a few minutes ago on my way to the gym, I turned on the radio station, and um, on the day that I feel like giving up the most, since I was four years old, um, abused as a child in, in every single way that you can imagine from four to 18. And it was God always telling me, Megan, one day I'm going to use your testimony for my glory. And I um, am 34 years old right now, and I am an incomplete paraplegic. About 10 years ago, I was thrown out of a truck at 65 miles an hour. And I broke my spinal cord from L1 through L5. And mm. doctors from all over said I was never going to walk again, ever. And so 10 years later, um, I'm walking. Um, I'm paralyzed only from the knees down, but I do everything and anything that a normal, able body could do, with a few exceptions. Um, of course, it is a, it's a living miracle. If you typed in my name, you would see all over the Internet what my spine looked like. There's no way I should even be alive, let alone walking. And um, with, with that being said, um, Isaiah 43-2, it's about strength. And when you feel like you can no longer go on, just look, at, look on the ground and you see one set of footsteps. It's Jesus that's carrying you. I, um, I've witnessed two suicides in my life. My first husband committed suicide right in front of me at 19, and then my mother took her life when I was 24. And from four years old to 34, God keeps testing me and testing me. Mm. And I haven't had not even a day where I can feel like I could breathe. And everyone keeps saying, Megan, God's going to use you in such a powerful way. Well, Megan, I think that even by your own testimony this afternoon, uh, the Lord has used you because you have not rebuked him. You've not given up on him. You know, you continue to profess Christ and the things that he's brought you through. Uh, and I think that's a major testimony. Alex, would, would you pray for Megan as she continues to walk for the Lord? Sure. And, and we thank you for listening and we count it a privilege to hear from you. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, uh, thank you. Thank you for Megan calling in and her just the, the tone of her voice ministers to our soul. And Lord, here she is. She's been through physical and emotional trauma, a lot of pain, and yet she's a believer and she's praising you. And that is a testimony to so many people. And Father God, I just pray that you will give her joy in her soul. Let her continue to be strong and mobile, not paralyzed or not physically hindered in any way. And Lord, bless this sister in Christ and use her in a powerful way to point people to Jesus because they see her praising God and they're going to be moved to praise him as well. Bless Megan and bless her for listening to Exploring the Word. And we ask all this for your glory alone, Lord, and in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Megan, for your call. And mm. we'll ask our folks to continue to pray for you. Katie calling from Ohio. Katie, good afternoon and welcome to Exploring the Word. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me on. Okay, so I'm just dealing with some struggles right now. Um, I've been a believer serving Jesus for seven years, and then I've been really getting into the Word, love watching your show, and I know it's the devil, but there is a book by Bart Ehrman, I think. It's called How Jesus Became God, and mm. I came across it not even looking at anything like that, and um, it was like an interview he had on NPR. And they brought up, like, just some topics about how when you were crucified, your body was left there to be destroyed. Um, so that's why the tomb was empty. And how John was the last one written, and he's the one who starts talking about Jesus as God. And then how hallucinations were really common back then. And it, I know, again, it's just the devil, like, trying to put doubt in my head, but it's gotten me shaken. Well, Any, hmm. Are you familiar with the book? Any thoughts? Oh, Kate, yeah. I'm not, Kate, but I know Alex is. Alex? God bless you, and thanks for listening. Now, now listen very carefully, folks. Bart Ehrman, 
uh, I debated him, and I moderated a debate with him, and uh, he's a guy, and, and by the way, let me just say in the short form, everything he says are objections that have long since been refuted by many scholars. For instance, if he says that the Gospel of John, quote, invented the deity of Jesus, well, I mean, look, in Mark chapter 2, Jesus and, and by the way, even critical scholars accept the Gospel of Mark. They use a phrase called Markan priority. But Mark has Jesus forgiving sins, accepting worship. In Mark uh, 16, um, Jesus says he's the Son of God, and they, they recognize that. So my point being, don't let Bart Ehrman's long, uh, worn-out objections that have been refuted numerous times. Don't let that shake you. But here's here's the thing I want to say. When I was with Bart Ehrman, see, he's a very angry man, because when he was a youth pastor and his marriage broke up, because he, and he told me the story of how he had cheated on his wife, and he got fired from his youth pastor job, and he got real mad at God. And I told him, I said, hey, I would have fired you. And so he's got this professorship at Chapel Hill, and he uses his position as a professor to try to shake the faith of young people. Now, Angie and I, my wife and I, were with him at almost 11 p.m. one night after a debate. He debated Michael Acona, and I shared the gospel with him. Bart Ehrman looked at me. Now, on the printed page and on NPR, he's got all this swagger, and he's not afraid of God, and he mocks the gospel. And yet Bart Ehrman looked at Angie and me, and he was trembling like a baby. And he said, I wake up at 3 a.m. because I'm afraid I'm going to go to hell. And I mm-hmm. said, that's a very legitimate fear, but you need to turn back to Jesus. So on the intellectual side, know that there are good answers to all of these objections. And in fact, if Devin can get your contact info, I made an audio book with American Family Studios that I'll send to you free of charge on answering common myths. On the academic side, Ehrman's objections are easily answered. But no, on the personal side, he's he's a warped man who's angry at God. And he just because I told him, I said, just because you've abandoned salvation, don't try to take other people with you. He's at war with God because he fell into sin, and he's not been willing to admit that his his problems were of his own making. And like so many, Jim, I've seen a lot of people, they fall into sin, and rather than humble themselves and repent, they just try to go, go to war with God. And what's so sad is, for all of the poor, impressionable students that Bart Ehrman has turned into skeptics, He'll answer for that if he doesn't turn to Christ. He sure will. Um, you know, we're told as teachers that we will face a stronger judgment because we have to be careful that what we teach is the truth. And, Alex, you probably remember the, the Scripture um, where it talks about the millstone being hung around one's neck and drowning oneself being better than misleading children. And that's not just children of of physical child age, but also children in the gospel. Would you agree mm-hmm. with that? Yeah, Matthew eighteen six. And so, ma'am, hang in there. Um, the good news is there are solid answers to all these questions. If we get your contact info, we'll send you some some literature that I I think Marty, will be an encouragement. Marty's getting it now. All right. Well, praise the Lord. We're going to pick up First uh, Thessalonians two fifteen tomorrow. All right, folks. Have a great afternoon. Stick around. Uh, Alex was talking about Washington Watch earlier with our friend Tony Perkins. That's coming your way next after the news here on American Family Radio.